You're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, I am focusing my attention solely on AFL fantasy and mainly on an article that I produced yesterday. It's titled 20 Neglected Players for Your 2020 AFL Fantasy Preseason Watch List. Try saying that 10 times real fast. Basically, dudes who are in 10% or less of teams, some of them mainstream names who you might have heard of with their ownership surprisingly low, but others definitely a little bit left of field. I tried to come up with a little bit of a mixed bag. I talked about players across all positions. If you are on sportsbyfry.com, make sure you check out the Super Bowl recap that I just published. In a few days' time, I'm also going to be doing an updated NBA MVP ladder. I think it's 4.0, the fourth edition for this season, so make sure you give them a view, but Without further ado, let's get started. G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Tuesday evening with my attention solely focused on the AFL fantasy world. I'll throw the link to this article in the podcast description, but all 20 dudes who I turned my attention towards have an ownership under 10%, as of yesterday anyway. Some of them might have boosted up a little bit or changed since then, but I covered a lot of players across lots of different positions, so let's not waste any time. In defense, the first bloke that I talked about was Hunter Clark, sitting in 4.8% percent of teams. There weren't many people who had him early on last season, but he emerged to be a pretty relevant dude later on in the season. In his last seven games of the year, Clark played a little bit more through the middle for St. Kilda, and as a result, he averaged a pretty impressive 91 points. So it is a little bit uncertain whether he's going to play a similar role or if St. Kilda wants to deploy him off a half back line. If he is playing that similar role and running through the middle, then I think he's certainly someone to watch. Tom Duday is the next dude on the list from the Adelaide Crows. Missed the entire 2018 season with a ruptured ACL. Had a pretty breakout debut year back in 2017 where he managed not only to play 20 games, but averaged 72 fantasy points as well. Kind of forget that he was a relevant fantasy dude back then. He's only in 8% of teams right now and... At 400 grand, he is priced pretty trickily, but trickily, is that even a word? But uh, he does come a little bit discounted due to his ACL that he suffered last year. So for that reason, we could see some teams take a punt on him in D4, maybe even a D5 position if you want to bat pretty deep down back. But Duday is someone to definitely monitor throughout the rest of the preseason. It'll be hard to trust this bloke again, but the third dude in defense that I looked at is Alex Witherden. He burned me last year. Luckily, I kind of jumped off ship within the first few rounds, but after averaging pretty promising numbers in 2018, where he pushed out 88 from his games, he then regressed to average under 75 last year. So hopefully he can show some encouraging signs over the preseason. There's every chance he can emerge as a top fantasy defender a year later than a lot of us expected, but Luke Hodge isn't down there anymore. Grant Birchall has arrived at Brisbane, but You do wonder how healthy he's going to stay, so Witho is definitely someone to monitor. The next bloke on the list hasn't really been fantasy relevant for a couple of years now, and with over 200 games to his name, we could see his body continue to fail him as his career winds down. I'm looking at Stephen Hill from the Frio Dockers. Only in 4% of teams right now, priced at 428k. I can understand totally why you'd want to avoid Stephen Hill. Like I said, 
Injuries have really taken their toll in the last few years, but there is certainly a lot of opportunity at Fremantle now that the likes of Bradley Hill, Ed Langdon, Lockie Neal in recent times have all departed. We expect a lot of the young kids to fill those roles and fill the void left in the midfield, but... Stephen Hill, who didn't play many games last year, if he can be healthy, might emerge as a fantasy-relevant player. Again, he is priced a little bit weird spot, 428 grams, similar to Duda, as I've already mentioned, but he is someone that I think will tempt coaches if he can show promising signs throughout the Marsh series. Fifth and final defender I looked at is James Sicily. For a lot of coaches, his name is on their never again list after some roller coaster performances in the last few seasons. And I can understand why you'd want to avoid starting with Sick Dog, but let's not forget there were a couple of games where he was forced to play a bit of a defensive pillar role for the Hawks, and that really hurt his fantasy average. Obviously, Hawthorne went out and recruited Sam Frost from Melbourne, and hopefully, he can hold down one of those key defensive pillars. For the Hawks. And if that's the case, Sicily might be able to play that rebounding defender role, getting a lot of plus sixes, taking a lot of marks, and intercepting a lot of those balls that are coming deep inside 50. And if that's the case, there is no reason why Sicily won't be one of the best fantasy defenders in 2020. He is fairly highly owned. I think he was, from memory, the highest bloke that I talked about on this list at 9.6, but 620k is a small price to pay for Sicily if he can push his average into the 90s and maybe even flirt with triple figures. Let's go into the midfield, and this dude is in just 0.5% of teams. Not really a popular player, and I can see why, but Dyson Hepbull had an injury-interrupted 2019 season, but before that, he'd actually had four straight seasons averaging 100-plus. And he actually played, surprisingly, in 87 of a possible 88 games over those four years. So he battled pretty hurt last year, still played 17 games, and obviously wasn't at his full uh, ability. So he'll be eager to keep Essendon in the finals hunt and obviously put his best foot forward in 2020. If he can do that, there's every chance that he can boost his fantasy numbers in the process, maybe even lift his output by 10 or more points. But we're going to have to see Hepwell fit and firing to start the year. But if he is, at a tick under 700k, he could be worth a punt. Bryce Gibbs has generated a lot of buzz throughout this preseason with a potential flagged move to the back line, and he's the next dude that I looked at in the midfield. He's priced at exactly 600 grand, sitting in 5.7% of teams, but he only played 12 games last year as he struggled to find consistency, bouncing between the reserves in the Sandfall and then playing in the Crows' senior side. New coach coming to town in Matty Nix could change things, and Gibbs has been pretty consistent over his 13-year career. He's played... In all but two seasons, he's played 19 games or more, but if we do see him move to a halfback flank for the Crows, that definitely will interest a lot of coaches. If you start with him, having a mid and defender player in your midfield could obviously lead to a lot of handy flexibility, and I think if he is sitting at that halfback flank throughout the Marsh series, his ownership will shoot up, and he could be a popular pick if he gets DPP early on, I think round six when the first batch comes out, so keep your eye on Gibbsy for sure. Before you stop listening to this podcast episode, a bit of a warning, the next dude I'm talking about is Dan Hanabry. I know, I understand that picking him in your initial squad isn't very appealing for a lot of coaches, and he would have hurt a lot of people last year as well after trading him in following a few good scores, but knock on wood, so far so good, he's looked Pretty solid this preseason, putting his best foot forward. He only managed five games in his first year at St Kilda, but in those games, he did nearly average 100, 
to be exact, and he's priced under 85 at the moment. So 622 grand is what Dan Hatterbury will cost you in 2020. Could be another trap, but if he stays healthy throughout the preseason and he's there round one, it's honestly going to be pretty hard to ignore, ignore picking Hannah's. Another dude who doesn't really instill fantasy coaches with a lot of confidence is Luke Davies Uniac. Through his first 21 AFL games, his AFL fantasy career average is less than 50. So there's little to suggest that he's going to flip the script, but he's heading into his third season. Traditionally, a third year breakout is an uncommon in the fantasy world, and there's going to be plenty of opportunity for LDU to become an important part of the Roos budding midfield. Obviously, to do that, He's got to find consistent games and put up some better scores. He's had his moments, and you kind of forget he was a top five pick. Has had some injury issues as well, and struggled to stay on the park for the first two years. He is priced under 400 grand, so could be a serious bargain that's sitting in only 2% of teams right now. Two-time premiership captain Trent Cotchin is the next bloke on the list, and while I don't expect him to go gangbusters, throwing his body into packs, getting a tongue of clearances, and averaging 100, 105, 110 in the upcoming season, he is priced ridiculously low and could prove to be a fantasy bargain. He battled plenty of injuries last year, was in and out of the Tigers' side, and then obviously gathered his form and continued to fire late into the year and into the finals, but... He only has a price tag at 525k, so it is criminally low ownership as well at 1.4% of teams, so there's plenty of risk. Cochin is getting on in age, but the premiership skipper should still be considered, if you, especially if you're chasing a midfield bargain. Speaking of bargains, if he's on the park, then Taylor Adams is going to be a very popular player in the upcoming season, but staying on the park has proven to be the problem throughout the last couple of years. Back in 2017, Adams averaged nearly 115 fantasy points, and we thought we were watching the birth of a new star, but instead he's posted two straight seasons of 95 and has battled injury and hasn't really strung a lot of consistent games together for the Pies. There was some news as well early in the preseason of Adams potentially with a foot injury, not too healthy, etc., etc., so there's no guarantee he's going to play the whole fantasy season, so maybe if he misses, misses rather a portion of time and then comes back throughout the year, you might want to just wait on a little bit and see how he goes, but Dane Beams is going to be out for a while, at least, in, well, he's indefinitely out at the moment, so that opens the door for Adams to have some serious impact if, obviously, he can stay on the field for the Pies. The last midfielder that I looked at and someone who I've actually gone and thrown in my team, at least... For now, it is the preseason. We're allowed to fluctuate and play around with our teams a bit. And that is reigning rising star Sam Walsh. Had a debut season to remember, but he's been quickly forgotten by the AFL fantasy community. He only finds himself in 3.3% of teams, but he is priced fairly expensive. I do get it. He's 684k at about an average of 92, but he's the year, a year removed from being the most popular player in the competition. Interestingly, in Carlton's seven wins that they had a year ago, Walsh posted 102.8 points. I know that Cripper was a little bit off his game as well, so his presence and him coming back into the fold might hurt Walsh a bit, but if the Blues can be more competitive in the new season and they can really adapt and build a winning foundation at the club, then there's no reason why we won't see more fantasy greatness from Walshie. Into the rucks we go. The first bloke I'm looking at from the Freo Dockers is Sean Darcy. He's under in under 2% of teams right now, and it doesn't really shock me to see his ownership so low. He did burst onto the scene back in 2017, averaging over 80 
from his eight games that he played. But the presence of Aaron Sanderlands, and then last year at times Rory Lobb really hasn't allowed Darcy to kind of shine. There is a lot of talk at the Dockers of Rory Lobb playing up to, and maybe hopefully all the time, close to 70% of the game as a primary forward. Jesse Hogan, indefinitely taking a break from the game as well, could see Rory Lobb emerge as a serious target inside 50. And if that's the case, Darcy could be in line for not only a significant boost fantasy-wise, but he might really be Frio's true number one ruckman. His numbers have dipped each season since that eight-game debut year in 2017, but there's a lot to like about Sean Darcy, priced at just 511 grand heading into the new season. Second ruckman that I took a look at is Jonathan Patton, who arrives at the Hawthorne Hawks with plenty of risk, but could also be plenty of reward. He's priced under 400 grand right now, and he does have very rare ruck forward flexibility. John Patton obviously hasn't really had the best run with injuries and missed entire 2019 season last year, so because of that, he comes at a further discount. There's a lot of talk over his body and whether he's going to get cherry right, but if the medical team at Waverley can really get the power forward up and running, he is going to be a genuine bargain. He's put up plenty of fantasy numbers in the past. Don't go expecting him to be one of the top scoring ruckmen or forwards, but again, like I said, at under 400 grand, if he's playing, it's going to come into consideration. This shocked me a little bit, to be honest, but the third Ruckman that I looked at, who only has 5% ownership right now, and is currently my second Ruckman, is Scott Lysett from the Port Adelaide Power. Lysett last year was kind of splitting time with Paddy Ryder, had some very bright moments. I remember there was back-to-back games where he had a 130 and then had a 140 as well, and to end the year, over his last seven games, he actually averaged over 100. Do I think that Lysett will be the second or third best Ruckman in the league? Probably not, but he could definitely be a top five scoring Ruckman, maybe even push his average up towards and over that 90 mark. He's priced at around the low 80s, sitting at 619 grand at the moment, but with Dougal Howard, Paddy Ryder, and Billy Frampton all leaving in the offseason, there's little competition for Lysette in the Ruck, and he's probably going to enter the year and continue to play throughout the year as Port Adelaide's sole number one man in the middle, and if that's the case, there's plenty of fantasy points up for grabs for Scotty Lysett. Lastly, to the forward line we go, first bloke I'm talking about has arrived at a new club with plenty of promise. Jack Martin is priced, ironically, exactly the same price as Scotty Lysett. How's that for a back-to-back? He's sitting in 5.8% of teams at the moment. Comes to Carlton from the Gold Coast where he wore a variety of hats for the Suns. He kind of pinched hit through the middle, then he was playing up forward, then he was in the reserves, then he was back right in the gut. So inconsistency obviously didn't help his fantasy numbers last year. And at the moment, it's a little bit uncertain what type of role Martin is going to play for the Blues. That could obviously be a good thing. We could see him lock down at full mid-time position, um, midfield position, playing on a wing and a high half forward. But if he is inconsistent through his roles, maybe we'll see him sit inside 50 a bit more and run a little bit around everywhere, which could hurt his potential scoring ceiling. Probably want to watch him heavily throughout the Marsh series if you're serious on investing in Jack Martin, but if he does float through the middle of the ground for Carlton, there's plenty to like about Martin in 2020. Reaching right into the bottom of the barrel for the next forward on the list, sitting in less than 1% of teams is Bailey Fritch from the Melbourne Demons. Has rare defender forward status at the moment, which is very tantalising for the upcoming season. We saw him plonked inside 50 for the D's last year, and in the last half a dozen games, 
He averaged over 80 fantasy points and managed to kick 14 goals as well. There were some big scores throughout that. He took a pretty wicked hanger, I remember, against North Melbourne and should have probably finished with more snags in round 23 in that last game. And if he is allowed to roam a little bit further up the ground in the Marsh series while still pinch hitting up forward and having an impact on the scoreboard, then he could be worth considering for your starting outfit. Everyone's talking about Josh Dunkley, Jack McRae, and Marcus Bontempelli in the Bulldogs' engine room, and deservingly so, but let's not forget about Bailey Smith, who enters his second season after another impressive first year of footy. When you throw in the likes of Lockie Hunter, Tom Libertore, even Mitch Wallace, there is a lot of mouths to feed in that Bulldogs midfield, so you do wonder just how high Bailey Smith can score. Sitting in 2% of teams right now, you... Don't know if he's going to be as heavily rotating through that midfield as he was a year ago, but having mid-forward status could definitely help him and see a lot of people take the punt on him, even if he shows encouraging signs over the preseason. I don't know if I'll take a bite on him, but he's worth considering in your forward line, and if he's rotating through that midfield, which obviously is a feeding frenzy when it comes to fantasy points, then Bailey Smith is definitely, definitely worth looking at. Another severely under-owned player, priced at 434k, is Jack Rewalt. It's actually the first time, or last year was the first time, he averaged under 75 since 2013. And similar to Trent Cotchen, Rewalt only managed 10 games last year for the Tigers. At injuries derailed his regular season. Obviously, he was fit and firing for the finals. And much like Cotchen, I didn't really address this when I talked about him, but we could see Rue and Cochin rested throughout the year quite heavily and allowing them to be cherry ripe for the finals. But do forget, this dude's a three-time Coleman medalist and I wouldn't be surprised if his ownership skyrockets if he is playing a little bit further up the ground, maybe like a high half forward, a la his cousin Nick Rewalt. We saw him become a very important fantasy player, especially in uh, grand final day of 20... Ugh, I want to say 17, but that doesn't sound quite right. But anyway... Getting off topic, Tom Lynch being in the goal square means that Richmond has two premier spearheads when it comes to kicking winning scores, so Rewalt might not return to that 75-plus average, but he's every chance to if he's going to get some more marks and touches playing further up the ground. Last dude on my list is Chase Jones of the Adelaide Crows. He had a lot of irrelevant fantasy games last year, but his actually his high score uh, in his first seven games was 52, but... The top 10 selection put a lot of points on the board in his final outing. He scored a career-best 97, had nearly 20 touches, kicked a pair of snags, and I've already talked a little bit about how Bryce Gibbs could be coming off the halfback flank, and if that's true, Jones might be allowed to feature a little bit heavier in the Adelaide midfield rotation. With mid-forward status, he's priced at 318 grand, so potentially another genuine bargain, and if he is going to be inside the midfield for the Crows, it sounds a bit crazy, but there's no reason why he can't double his price and be a really fantasy-relevant dude in 2020. And that is the list of 20 neglected players that you need to watch for the preseason and add to your AFL fantasy watch list. I'll be back with another couple of podcasts throughout the week. Again, like I said, Super Bowl recaps up. NBA MVP ladders coming up. And over the weekend, I'm going to endeavor to get out my AFL goals article. And I know I've said this a couple of times, but hopefully turn that into a YouTube video as well. But once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Till next time, peace. Peace.